This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Uh, hi, my name is Michael Scharf. I'm the CEO of Evolve Technologies, and I have spent my entire career either in retail or helping retail brands. And the thing that gets me most excited is finding ways to satisfy customers that uh, allows me to steal business from my competition. From New York City, you're listening to Retail is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the retail industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Retail is Your Business. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rako, and I can't be more excited to have Rebecca Fitz back on the mic with me uh, after a, a little hiatus. I know you did some traveling, Rebecca, and you've been very, very busy with work. In fact, I wondered with your, uh, you have a, a print of leaves or trees or flowers or something behind you on the wall. And I was almost wondering if you were still uh, still traveling at the moment. It kind of looks uh, recreational and festive in a I, way. I am not in Miami. This was a uh, COVID, uh, let's put up some wallpaper wall. Um, so right here in New York City, um, but with some lovely banana leaves behind me. <laughs> Why not? Shouldn't we all have banana leaves? And I don't want to keep our guests waiting any longer, but I just wanted to ask you, so you were down in Miami. Uh, did you have an opportunity to partake in the Miami retail scene and kind of get inspired by that at all? Uh, absolutely. Uh, it was a retail real estate tour. Uh, and oh. uh, so I looked at uh all, all the things that are going on down there um, and, and how unbelievably open Miami is. <laughs> gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, let's, uh, let's welcome Michael Sharp to the show. Uh, Michael, it's, it's such a pleasure to have you here, not just for the conversation we're about to have, but uh, I, I would, I would venture to say very respectfully uh, a bit of a heavyweight in your experience in, in with different brands over time. I know you have a lot to share and uh, so welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Mark. I'm pleased to be here with you and Rebecca today. I'm looking forward to the conversation. <laughs> so uh, I, I'd actually love to start with this this uh, this thought. I'm interested to know, Michael, and you can connect this to your current business, Valve, or, or another topic if you want, but I want to know what's on your mind right now uh, because you bring such a, a vast amount of experience and obviously the things that you're doing with your current company – what is first and foremost on your mind right now related to retail? Yeah, we're, we're in a really interesting transition period. Uh, you know, I've been working in the digital space at retail for the last 15, 20 years and, and broadly in retail for over 30 years now. And there's been a consistent march over time to omni-channel, multi-channel, integrated channel, but the advent of COVID has dramatically shifted the pace of adoption of digital platforms for all industries, not just uh, consumer retail. And I, you know, I firmly believe we're five or 10 years ahead of where we hit, would have been naturally. And the behaviors aren't going to revert now that we're starting to open up again. So this has huge implications for retail brands in terms of how do they deal with logistics? How do they deal with their space? How do they think about user experience online? Um, how do they think about supply chain? So 
you know, for me, the entire ecosystem for retail is really at a pretty big pivot point. And it's just a fascinating topic on so many different vectors that uh, it, you could talk about any one of them, you know, for a long time. So let's let's use that as an opportunity to introduce your, your current uh, venture, Evolve. Uh, what how does how does Evolve fit into what you were just saying, that that tapestry, that landscape that you were just talking about? Yeah, so Evolve is formed to solve the problem of creating great customer experiences on digital platforms. So we work with large brands that have, uh, you know, broad bases of customers and do a lot of business online, uh, as well as, you know, omni-channel experiences. And our goal is to help improve the user journey, to help them achieve their goals faster, easier, more intuitively. So the benefit for the partners of ours, the businesses, is that their their clients get a better experience. They can achieve what they're trying to accomplish faster. It leads to more business and more customer satisfaction and greater lifetime value. That, that was a mouthful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel the same yeah, way, is. by the way. There's so much to think about right now. Um, what, you know, I'm kind of in the physical world and you're definitely in the digital world. What is kind of coming out of the pandemic mean for brands right now? What do, what do they need most? It's a really good question. I think uh, a few things. I think understanding how the two channels uh, or multi-channel, if you think about you know, mobile and kiosks and others, how they interplay with each other is going to be different than it was pre-COVID. So I think pre-COVID, a lot of customers researched online. They still did a lot of the shopping offline. Now what's happening, we're seeing a lot more transactions take place online. But the traditional e-commerce model of products just being put in a box and shipped uh, has really exploded. So you've got a lot of different options now for customers to actually acquire the product, whether it's delivery, same day delivery, curbside pickup, in-store pickup, you know, um, you know, having third parties pick them up for them. So, you know, thinking about how then those digital experiences are going to interface with the store environment and the delivery network. I think uh, is just a really rich area of opportunity to think about not only improving efficiencies for brands, but how do you create customer experiences that make all of those complex choices easy for someone to navigate, intuitive, maybe start to think about how you automate some of those decisions for the customers based on their behaviors. So there's a lot of a lot of rich opportunity there to create great experiences. You know, with uh, with so many uh, companies stating the obvious that uh, made a huge leap into digital commerce in a way they hadn't been before due to the pandemic, and now they're there, and now they're saying, okay, we jumped in, but we didn't have time to really strategize it out and create a, okay, now, now, now let's fix the problems, and so... so one of the problems with jumping in or at, at whatever moment you decide, is this the right moment to do it? Is this the right moment? Because things are moving so fast and developing. By the time you put something in place, it can be outdated or there's a new idea you didn't even know and even your ear to the ground didn't hear about. And now that's out and you say, gosh, I should have waited six months and done that thing. So my question is, what can you offer in terms of thoughts or guidance with uh, brands and retailers in making that decision to jump into a new territory for them in terms of technology and when that right moment is and, and how you correlate that and align that with making sure that you really are integrating the, the newest and the best so that you're not outdated and outpaced quickly? 
That, that's, a, that's a great question. And funny enough, it's actually a question that I've gotten from consumers most of my life. So I spent most of my career in consumer electronics and customers would always come in and say, should I buy a TV, a stereo, a VCR, DVD now, or should I wait till next year? What's going to happen? And the answer is they will always get better. Uh, they will always get cheaper. But if you wait, you miss the opportunities that you would have had if you owned that product at that point in time for whatever amount of time you waited. So that's also true with technology for brands. I think it's important to embrace technology in a way that is appropriate to your company, though. Not all companies can move with the kind of speed that's necessary to try new technologies. Um, almost all retailers have large legacy infrastructures and systems. So it's really important to create a, a foundation that allows for innovation and nimble approaches to the market, because the only way to stay ahead of the competition and the only way to serve your customers is to be constantly experimenting, constantly trying new things, constantly optimizing not only the user experience, but all of your internal operations and really reallocating resources, effort, time, technology to the things that work the best. It sounds very um, startup-ish um, to, to do that um, and kind of how do you do it affordably. But I, I certainly hear you on it. Um, so a, it seems like a big point is, you know, meeting your customer where they want to be, which I feel like people are saying all all the time. Um, is, is that one of the biggest things I'm sure you're seeing? And how does that play out? Yeah, it, it, you know, it is a little bit startup people. but when you think about it, some of the world's biggest companies and most successful retailers are highly innovative and highly experimental. Companies like Amazon.com, Walmart, you know, through Walmart Labs and their acquisitions, Best Buy, Verizon, all of these companies are constantly innovating around their customer experience, constantly innovating their in-store experiences and their online experiences and testing new technologies. And yeah, that's absolutely the key, what you said. Rebecca, is meeting the customer where they are. The market's constantly changing. It was certainly changing pre-COVID. It's changed a lot faster since, and it's going to continue to iterate. And in order to be successful, you always have to be anticipating where your customers are, understanding where your competitors are, and really meeting your customer needs and helping to satisfy them, you know, basically in real time. You have to be nimble. If you're not, you're going to lose. Uh, Michael, uh, given the experience and the kind of big brand re uh, leadership roles that you've had and the things that you've seen from the top and from the inside on you know, big brands like um, Best Buy and Sears and Toys R Us and so forth. Uh, but a lot of big companies like that, to be honest with you, still have a bit of old guard leadership in charge. Um, at least part of that leadership is old guard and is is still, still operating on old thinking, if you will, and has to be persuaded why something matters because they don't want to disrupt what's working. And it's also so much of the systems are just, it's been built, it's a house of cards in a way, and you can't just stick something new in without it disrupting a lot of things, et cetera, obviously. So my question is, knowing that you're able to process situation with both the mind of an innovator and a technologist, and someone who's operated in that capacity, how are you, what is your messaging to those people that allows them to see the light? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, inertia can be hard to overcome. And, um, you know, you can either overcome it uh, because you're forced to through, through, you know, competitive environments that make you change, or because you're trying to constantly 
you know, break the model and find the next big thing and trying to innovate and look around the corner. And I think the brands that do the best have leaders that embrace um, actively trying to find ways to disrupt their own businesses. Because if you don't, someone will disrupt your business. So you have to have a mindset that somebody is going to think of something better, faster, smarter, cheaper. And either you can do it, even if it hurts some of your core or your existing businesses, you have to be creating the future all the time. And, and it's primarily a cultural challenge. It's about rewarding innovation, rewarding experimentation, accepting failure as a learning opportunity, not as a, a, something you don't want to do. If you're not failing with your experiments and you're not trying a lot of different things, you're not going to find the new answers that you need to find to be competitive. And somebody will come up and sneak up on you. Great, great wisdom. I am at a startup, and so we have the capacity to, you know, build something, kind of tear it down, and then build it again. Um, but when I think about some of these big companies, I think, uh, you know, that it's certainly more difficult, and some of it is for sure, for, for sure, cultural. Um, yeah, and you know, there, there are massive systemic challenges for big established brands to be nimble and change. They have huge retail portfolios of, of real estate. They have large legacy systems. They have large distribution networks, lots of employees. So it requires a, a you know a really purposeful approach and uh, creativity to find ways to do that. What do you think right now, as we as we talk about brands needing to shake things up, needing to reinvent, uh, being willing to tear down and build back up and think like a startup, even when you are an established brand, what do you think some of the biggest mistakes that brands are making right now are, other than not being willing to make those changes? When you see missteps out there, what, what are you seeing that you go, oh my God, I can't believe another person did that or another brand did that. Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest single mistake, and this is not a new one, is not acting with urgency. I think it's so easy to get complacent or to look at your business and say, well, if we can make it a little bit better, that's good enough. And, you know, not approaching every challenge and every day with a sense of urgency to dramatically improve things that aren't working or find better ways to do everything. And it's really hard to build that in because, you know, all companies have goals and objectives and the general mindset for most people is if you're hitting your goals, you're doing fine. And that doesn't mean you're achieving your potential. And, you know, back to my earlier point, um, you know, your potential is what your competitors are looking at and what they're trying to find ways to achieve, you know, in place of you. So um, and the biggest, you know, really not acting with urgency every day is probably the biggest challenge most companies have. And that's not only true for big companies it's true for all companies i think you um you have such a rich history in um retail at some some biggies um and just listening to you talk about kind of um when the consumer wants to buy a product uh reminded me of someone who has actually worked in retail on the retail floor um, and at my company, we make everybody go and actually work in the retail stores, no matter if you're on the corporate side. So um, I'm assuming you've had those experience, whether they've been for forced on you or you've gone on as research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started my career in sales uh, in retail at uh, Consumer Electronics in, in California, uh, right out of college and did that for a couple of years before I moved into the corporate world. And then um, probably the two best experiences I had, you know, once I got into corporate at Best Buy. 
um, all of the vice presidents and above in corporate had a mentor and our mentor was a store manager. And we had to work one day a month in the stores. And uh, we carried that through uh, myself and some other management at, at Toys R Us. And we would also require all of the corporate employees who were able to, to work in the stores during the holidays. So I bagged products, I collected carts from the parking lot, I helped stock shelves. Um, and then at Staples, we used to require all of the employees to listen in to call center calls to hear about the pain points that our customers are hearing. So customer intimacy and spending time you know, with the clients in the stores and understanding the challenges that the people delivering for the customers, the call center agents, the retail salespeople, the operations folks, is super critical for anybody in the corporate environment to understand how to do a better job serving your customers, which are all the internal people that touch the end user. Yeah, I agreed. Um, Stephen Barrys is no longer in business. Would uh, You had to do a rotation and it would be on Black Friday and in those stores when Black Friday was really kind of a big thing. And it was a great experience. I mean, you know, sometimes you probably thought it was a pain in the butt, but it was, um, you know, where it's the front lines of, of really where it's at. Um, and it, how have those experiences, because you've actually had quite a bit of it, um, you know, seeped in and I think not even seeped into what you're, what you're doing now. Yeah. I would just say, uh, uh, my wife and I were married for over 20 years before she saw me on black Friday weekend. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. You really, wow. you have paid your you dues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the, uh, the first time we were able to go away for the weekend for a little holiday was pretty strange. Um, <laughs> that's fantastic. So, and by the uh, way, it makes you really appreciate people who work in because that's their whole, their whole career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the the level of customer intimacy that you get, uh, and the, and you know, more importantly, maybe the understanding of the challenges. You know, retail from a conceptual level seems really simple. You buy a product, you send it to a store, a customer buys it, and they leave, and you collect money. Um, the the actual effort to make all that happen consistently and in a way that is pleasing to the customer and is efficient is is incredibly complicated. And, you know, one of the things that for me was interesting when I first came out to Silicon Valley and started working with startups in the technology space, specifically focused on retail, is they all had a very, you know, naive view of how their technology was going to solve problems for retailers and how easy it is to just do something differently through technology. And, you know, for me, being able to take the experience I have had and, you know, really help think, how do we shape a product? How do we shape how we engage with customers? How do we bring a sense of urgency to deployment and getting product in the market for customers to see value quickly has been super valuable. And um, it's also something I've tried to you know, work with all the companies in the past that I've advised uh, as well to really try to understand what the client's going through, not just think about how you can use technology in a cool way to do something. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of cool ways, um, you know, but it, it, you're right. It certainly comes down to down to your final customer or else you don't have a, a company. It's all about yeah. 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 Great ideas are, are necessary, but you know, without implementation, it doesn't matter how good your idea is. Have you taken a look at StoryDot yet? Every brand and every product has a story to tell and you can't successfully sell that brand or product without telling the story. StoryDot delivers your story wherever you want it to be heard. You can meet your customers at each point 
in their journey. Connecting the dots between your business and the consumer to enhance engagement, experience, and conversion. I encourage you to take a look at StoryDot at StoryDot.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-D-O-T.com. Michael, you've got your ear to the ground of what neat things are coming out of innovation and technical solutions, everything from augmented reality to AI, machine learning, VR, and more. Um, and, and I know audio has been, uh, growing in, in people's attention too, and ways that that can be integrated. I want to ask you, um, your thoughts on the, uh, it may sound like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm tipping it up to the net for you to spike over the net, but, uh, can we talk about storytelling a little bit and its role in really all of, well, not machine learning, I guess, but like a lot of these solutions involve creating an experience and that involves telling the story of a product, of a brand. I mean, even the, the, the growth of live streaming as a commerce tool, uh, in, in America, uh, more so cause it's already big in China, but, uh, and uh, I guess my question is, you know, we focus so much on the actual technology itself that sometimes brands are losing sight of what they're really trying to accomplish with that technology, the end game, whether it be storytelling or, or you know, upping the experience of the consumer or um, trying to uh, – uh, communicate a brand uh, focus or initiative uh, or pivot. So um, do you have any thoughts on on trying to look beyond the physical technology for a brand and connecting it to what the larger missions are? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think actually that's a good, good word, mission. So I think, you know, certainly consumers and younger consumers specifically are much more mission focused than I think we would have experienced historically in retail. Um, People care about the brands that they engage with, and they're really passionate about finding brands that align with their values and, you know, their, their worldview. They're also, you know, really excited to engage and learn about products in a really meaningful way. And I think, that, you know, there, there are a number of axes on which a retail brand can be successful. Um, you know, great companies like Apple and Nike have done it based on building really rich customer relationships through content, through rich in-store experiences, through great branding. Um, others like Walmart uh, have done it through, you know, amazing efficiency, you know, and really giving customers great value. Um, Amazon early on did it through extensive assortment and, you know, speed of delivery. So I think that there are a number of different axes that you can really focus on, but ultimately understanding what your value is from a customer intimacy standpoint and how you're gonna create value for that customer is really important. Um, I personally love brands that create really rich immersive experiences around product because I love products. Um, every industry I've worked in, I've been super passionate about the products. And you know, there are a lot of customers that are you know, very excited about the things they buy and finding you know, how to create stories around those immersive experiences. And you know, some of the things you mentioned like VR and AR, um, they've been around for a long time as ideas. I think we're finally starting to see some experiences that are going to be useful and meaningful for customers along those lines. And then um, technologies like AI, AI and ML are clearly going to permeate, you know, virtually every aspect of business 
for all industries. You know, the technology allows you to look at customer data, look at customer behaviors, and really create rich experiences that you can't do in a way that would require manual intervention. Uh, there's just too much information, too many customer touch points and transactions to, to be able to do it without harnessing the power of technology. Then how are you yourself, Michael, then, uh, what are the ways that you have your ear to the ground to make sure that you stay ahead of what those opportunities are, uh, those solutions are, that make those things possible? Because people rely on you. Yeah, so certainly at Evolve, you know, we're focused on user experiences, leveraging you know, AI, ML, and other technologies to help create great experiences. Um, so that's the area we certainly focus on the most. And we spend a lot of time talking to our customers to understand what their needs are. Obviously, we spend time, you know, if, you know, evaluating our clients' uh, needs as well as our competitors' solutions. Um, although we haven't done much of it this year, we love to go to conferences and talk to people in the industry. Uh, we've actually started our own webinar series uh, last spring, and we're bringing in both industry experts, consultants, brands that we do business with, brands we don't do business with, to have broad-ranging conversations around, you know, what's going on in this space, how are uh, people thinking about retail and this constant evolution. So um, we have a lot of people who, who talk to a lot of potential clients, a lot of partners, um, and a lot of customers to think about, you know, what's happening in the market and how do we add value to that process all the time. And then I personally... Love shopping. I love keeping an eye on retail. I love cruising the internet. <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to going back into retail stores to see how they're going to change. Um, My, yeah. I confess on the show all the time that I'm a gold medal shopper. So it's nice to have somebody else who who's on who you know also <laughs> is is getting out there, and it certainly lends to. Uh, what what we both do for a living. Um, you know, I kind of feel the same way, or not the same way, but in talking about AI, like it was this futuristic thing. And now that it, it, it's here, um, I don't know if you can give us an example. I'm very uh, like a tactile learner in maybe something you're doing for a client now, um, you know, because I'm kind of in this different world where you know, direct-to-consumer brands are already omni-channel, so we're doing a lot of that stuff. But, um, you know, maybe where should they be going next, looking to the Amazons of the world and the Walmarts of the world who are, you know, they're getting ahead of it. Yeah, well, so I'll maybe do a little shameless plug for what we do at Evolve here. <laughs> well, please, it on please, us. <laughs> uh, get, get, please, Michael, seriously, get granular. T tell us exactly what you do. Yeah. Yeah, so if you think about the, the customer journey and trying to do something online, whether it's apply for a credit card or make a purchase, the, the complexity of the user journey is, is really high. There are literally thousands of different elements associated with the user journey on a website, um, going from homepage to a product page to checkout. There are you know, hundreds of visual elements. There's you know, lots of copy. There's all the layouts, the page flows. And traditional optimization or testing tools allow you to make individual changes or test individual ideas or maybe a couple of ideas at a time usually on a single page and then you do that sequentially maybe you'll change your headline or you'll change your layout and then you'll change the next thing and at the end of all that you've got a series of answers to really simple questions did this one change affect behavior and most of the time you know somewhere between 50 and 80 percent of the time those types of tests yield no benefit for the client. So the customer doesn't really get a better experience and they don't do anything differently. Now, what we try to do is we try to look across the entire user journey 
and leverage the power of machine learning and artificial intelligence to change lots of different elements of that experience at the same time while still maintaining the statistical significance to make sure what you're doing is actually valid and will work. And this allows us to test a large number of combinations, sometimes as many as millions of different possible outcomes across all of those elements, where our system can go through and evaluate, test certain parts of it, test combinations, and actually create a better experience and continue to refine that experience in real time to achieve whatever the goal is that the customer is trying to get to. Um, so that's a great example where the power of AI allows you to do things you just can't do manually. We have one customer uh, in Europe that said one of the experiments they ran with us literally used up seven years of their testing roadmap of ideas. And it would have taken them seven years using their traditional testing tool. And they were able to do that in 90 days with us and yield significant business outcomes. And what that allows you to do then is to really open up how you think about ideation at scale and start to say, I'm not going to gate my uh, business and the number of ideas I'm willing to test because now I've got a platform that allows me to test everything and allows me to test all the time and not just in this very linear mode. So for me, that's, it's, that's actually what got me so excited about this company and why I decided to launch it with my partners is I saw the uh, raw technology and I saw how they were thinking of applying it. And I said, I would have loved to have had this at any one of the companies I worked with. And uh, I then went back to the investors and I said, you know, we should launch a new company and actually make a great product out of this. So that's why did I you, did you Did you go back to any of those companies and introduce them to the solution? Just out of curiosity? Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're not currently working with any of my prior employers. Okay. But, uh, we're certainly working, working on it. And unfortunately, <laughs> a couple of them aren't around anymore. Uh, uh, the yes. nature of big retail has been challenging. Toys R Us keeps on coming back to life, though. So, I mean, they they could be. Exactly. (laughs) It's a great brand, and it actually still exists globally. There are markets where it's called Toys R Us, and I'm hopeful they come back in the U.S. as well. Yeah, it's so interesting to me now that you really, you know, kind of not put it into layman's terms, but like this is what it is. Um, My husband and I are constantly talking about, and and not in such a negative, nilly way, but like um, trying to buy airline tickets, and I'm not going to name any names, but how bad the customer experience is, yet we still go back and do it because that's the airline that we, you know, fly and we're getting all the points and, you know, all of that other stuff. Um, and you would just think with the, the technology out there that it's so good um, th- that, you know, hopefully everybody would be, you know, expanding it. And then I shop a lot of these direct-to-consumer brands and most of their sites are good, but sometimes there's this, because they were born online, there are these, um, I really want this product, but it's just such a pain in the butt to to go on and, and deal with the site. Um, anybody you would hold up, maybe not a client of where you're like, their customer experience online is the creme de la creme. Yeah, it's, it, it is true. Most brands are still terrible at online experiences. It is actually shocking, you know, now as an industry, we've been at this for, you know, 20 plus years that we haven't gotten better. Um, you know, I, I do think the direct-to-consumer brands have done a better job. And they've had a, they, you know, it's certainly a help when you start with the latest technology and you also start with a mindset of optimizing around the user experience in a specific platform. So if you think about like the offline world, you know, companies like Nordstrom's really built their entire retail business around serving their clients in stores. And then you've got companies like Warby Parker 
as an example, or Casper or, you know, Apple, where they, you know, really focus on that digital experience and have really thought about how do you present product? How do you present content? How do you create a user journey through to transaction as well as post-transaction? That is a really rich and rewarding experience. And it, it is hard uh, to go back and re-architect the business that way, but, um, you know, it's possible. It just takes a commitment to the customer. Oh, yeah, just thinking about Nordstrom, it's so funny. When they opened in New York, I went on a, a physical tour of it. Um, and I, not that I think their site is so good or bad, but, you know, they really, because uh, one of the Nordstroms started in the shoe department and, you know, that's waiting on people, that's getting on your hands and knees, it's putting a shoe on their foot. And that's very hard to somehow interpret through a website, not to say again, that I wouldn't buy shoes on Nordstrom if you know, I knew my size and all that other stuff. So um, yeah, we've come such a long way, but you know, also such a short way. It's it's very interesting time in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there, there are a lot of companies thinking about in fashion specifically, you know, how do you do virtual try-ins? How do you try to replicate as much of that experience as possible? And it's 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 easier with glasses than it would be with shoes, right. um, for sure. <laughs> but this is a great area where I think augmented reality, you know, is going to create a lot of opportunity. Uh, we see it in home goods now. How do you envision products in your home? That's actually become pretty standard. And, you know, that, that technology is going to continue to get better and better to the point where someday we'll all have holodecks in our house. Right. And, and for better, for worse, it's interesting in the pandemic, some of our stores did virtual concierge appointments. So we were using the store. We were still paying rent. Um, and I did not do one of them, I'll confess. But I thought this does not seem that sexy because I know it's our sales associate holding up a pretty dress and saying, I think this would be great for you, but it, it actually worked. It's just, you know, let's iterate on that. How far can we take it? Yeah, I just a uh, total aside, but, you know, another kind of retail oriented business that has, you know, really seen big disruption is the yeah, medical industry. Think about how many people now have figured out they can actually get medical care online. They could do meditations. They could do yoga classes. They could go visit their doctor. You know, and we don't think about that as traditional retail, but it is a physical retail experience that is now moving online at a really rapid clip um, that enables all kinds of new, you know, capabilities and services for people. So, yeah, and the customer experience is getting better. Just the um... City MD a couple of blocks from here, you know, and it, it's silly because restaurants are doing it all the time, but you could finally make a reservation to get a COVID test and, and they text you. And but we thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread because it hadn't really been applied to that yet. So same, same, same thing as ordering your dinner, but, you know, different concept. Yeah, and out here we have Medical One, which is getting a similar concierge service. But, you know, taking that mindset uh, of retail and the customer service into medical, I think it's been a great innovation, you know, that we've seen a big, big improvement. And so I'm uh, excited about that one too, as a consumer. <laughs> Michael, what, uh, what are you seeing out there that you think, if you have an opinion on this, is, is maybe the next new big frontier within retail that, that maybe we're not even fully in, but there is that opportunity if we can figure it out. You know, for example, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say this is what it should be, but you know, I think about uh, the the actual physical goods that we buy and bring home and are in our home. 
you know, social media is is only a portion of our customers are are connected with us, our brand on social media. Um, only a certain number of our customers even will shop online. Um, only a certain number of our customers are going to physically come in the store. Um, only a certain number of our customers shop for recreation versus when they run out of something. Um, so that physical good being in our home, you know, that tangible thing is something that we all have in common when we buy something that's physical. So that's an opportunity that's a little bit untapped of how can we figure out to make that physical good connect with the customer and then drive new engagement or new experience and so forth. So I don't know if that interests you or is there some other frontier that you've kind of been looking at that you think is if we can figure this out. If we can, if we can get more brands to be thinking about this and drive more innovation, that is where the next era is going to come from. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, there there are a lot of different things happening. I actually think um, maybe one of the most interesting ones in terms of changing the way consumers engage with brands is really around new forms of uh, input, uh, whether it's voice or you know. Um, motion. So things like, you know, obviously Alexa, Google Home, uh, things like connect devices, you know, there's been a, you know, kind of a movement now for, for a number of years to think about what happens after the mouse, what happens after the, the click on a computer screen, um, you know, and how do you engage customers in a more rich and robust way wherever they are? So, you know, uh, technologies like IoT and embedding, you know, internet capabilities in the, you know, multiple devices around the home, that can not only be smart, but also can be engagement points for clients, you know, when they want to buy things or they want to learn about things. So I still think there's a really long way to go with those technologies, specifically with voice, augmented reality in the home environment, I think have, you know, a really rich opportunity. And then, you know, other, you know, more leading edge examples of that are like, uh, you know, wearables, I think are still a ways away from being adopted broadly, but I think they're going to create some really interesting opportunities for consumers and for brands to understand consumption and buying behaviors based on what people are doing, where they're doing it, how they're doing it, you know, what's their environment around them. So uh, a lot of rich area for exploration. I still think that wearables is still a largely untapped uh, opportunity. And I think about some of the, the technology and wearables that's been invented that can, you know, uh, sense your blood sugar or, you know, things like that, 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 that still haven't permeated into manufacturing and, and widely distributed and accessible. And even people knowing that these things exist to start calling for them and, and express demand and interest. Um, but, but, you know, because apparel, for example, uh, you know, it touches so many other aspects of our lives, entertainment, interaction, communication, health, you know, uh, uh, motion and so forth. So I'm, I'm just, I think that that's, uh, you know, I think even, even think something as simple as the positioning that my body is in could change my entertainment delivering device to aim the way that sound or images are projected at me based on its understanding of my positioning because of the way that my wearable garment knows I'm positioned. So it understands I'm turned away from the speaker. So it needs to change the way the speaker is aimed connected to the dimension of my room. And those are the kinds of things that are that uncharted yeah, and those territory. Things are all, yeah. They're all technically possible. Yeah. Um, I think it's about having the vision to think through what are the user experiences that are going to matter 
you know, creating solutions Precisely. for them. You know, the technologies, I think a lot of them exist, but figuring out how to put them together in a way that works. And then I think there's kind of an underlying uh, challenge, which is around privacy. And, you know, how do we actually create an environment where customers are really comfortable adopting these technologies in a really um, comprehensive way that doesn't become invasive uh, or scary? And that's something we're going to continue to work on as a society. We're going to pause for ever so briefly. And when we return, it's going to be uh, not about Evolve. It's going to be about Michael. Uh, as our interview evolves into personal questions. See what I did there? Okay, <laughs> right after this. Culture starts at the top. And great customer experience, the only competitive strategy in today's world, is fueled by great leadership. We hear and read this every day, but many brands don't drive customer-first strategy. For those at the top who want to make that leap but don't know how, we'll learn from leaders who share what you must do to become customer-centric. I am Liliana Petrova, and this is The One Thing. The One Thing, customer experience from the top, is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever the best podcasts are found. All right, Michael, this is the part of the show that Rebecca and I look so forward to, which is uh, when we get to uh, take a look at you as a human being. Uh, so as is my usual question to Rebecca, Rebecca, would you like to lead or follow, pitch or catch? <laughs> um, I guess I'll pitch. Okay. Go for it. Um. So it, th this is about Michael, but it also relates to what we talked about. But not all the time do we get on Retail is Your Business, someone who enjoys shopping. Um, and so I'm always curious. And it, you may be like me where I'm not necessarily like, I need to go out and buy this. Um, so it might just be that you kind of fall upon things. But is there something on your list that you are looking to purchase, maybe either for yourself or even for someone else? Because certainly other people need things i'm sure in your life yeah so uh we recently just bought two things which are pretty exciting uh one's exciting one's kind of depressing that we had to buy it but uh we're in california and we're coming up on fire season so i proactively bought a few new big room air purifiers uh to get ready for the season Very so that nice. was a good experience i had to do a lot of research um, the other thing is uh, we're in the middle of doing a landscaping project. So I actually got to go buy about six tons of rocks last weekend, big mossy boulders and big steps for the backyard. That's so really fun. fun. That is that's very like a boy, cool. That's like a, that's like, that's like a kid loving to see a fire engine show up. It's like I get I'm, to buy a bunch of rocks. I'm glad you yeah. balanced yeah, out we, the we, air purifiers we, with this. This is a good, this is a good buy. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we, ha we have this place not too far from us called American Soil and Stone, not to put in a plug, but it's about five acres of rock. And it is the most amazing, fun place to go wander around and everything from literally like room sized boulders to, you know, uh, gravel and uh, everything in between. And it's a really fun place to go wander around and get inspired. Um, and then I have a, a wedding for a cousin coming up. So I'm uh, shopping for a wedding gift. I haven't decided what to get yet. Excellent. 
Uh, before I ask my question, I wanted to apologize. I realized when I mentioned about the excitement of a kid seeing fire engines, I realized that may be more of an uh, East Coast experience than, uh, than living in uh, a place that has too many fires. I just wanted to mention I was sensitive yeah, to that so cool after the <laughs> Yeah, I guess yeah. not. What is an app that you have on your phone, Michael, that uh, even the people that know you might be surprised to learn that you have and maybe is a little secret interest of yours that isn't evident to most people. Um, I, I'm taking a look at my phone while we're talking to see okay. what, uh, what might be a good one. So there's one like obvious one, which, you know, probably a lot of people wouldn't know I have, but I think it's pretty fun, which is TikTok. Um, find all kinds of fun things on there. And um, I look, I love cooking. So I have a lot of uh, fun foodie things in my feed. And then uh, the other one that I just discovered is this uh, retail slash discovery site called Uncrate. And it is a, a site for just like super geeky stuff that, you know, like guys who want to be James Bond would be looking for, um, which I guess that would qualify me as. Oh, so, well, you know, really cool cars and, posts and gadgets. And yeah, it's a, it's a fun site. You know, some of it's stuff for sale, some of it's for auction, some of it's just future products that people are developing. But every day they have a new, uh, new assortment of really cool stuff. Uncrate, it's called. Uncrate. I did my Scooby Doo thing right there. All right, awesome. Yeah. I'm so happy I asked the question, or maybe I'll be. Maybe it was very unfortunate I asked the question. I'm not sure, but we'll I find out soon. I haven't anything there, but it's a lot of stuff I've lost it after. <laughs> it's it's good browsing. I haven't even downloaded. I'm in love with it. Just looking at the okay. Yeah. It's also a great user experience. They've done a great job in the design. So this is a good example of a UX that is easy and simple. It helps when you only are showing off a handful of products. Obviously, to be able to do that. But. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, Front of store, right? Uh, okay. Yeah. Exactly. Michael Scharf, uh, such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Uh, so, uh, learned so much from you, and it was really great to get your insights, both from the top and from the, the innovation side as well, and as, as a support system for brands. Um, how can people connect with you either directly or uh, obviously the company? Yeah. So uh, the easiest way to find the company is Evolve.ai. And you could email me at michael.sharf at evolve.ai. I'm also on LinkedIn, easy to find. So um, I would love to connect just to chat about retail. And if you want to learn more about it, Evolve, I'm happy to do that as well. And for our audience, Sharf is S-C-H-A-R-F-F. Just to give a, give a heads up there. So right. all right, anyway, yes. Michael, Michael Sharf the CEO of Evolve and a scholar and a gentleman. Such a pleasure. Thank you very much. And thanks a lot for suggesting Uncrate. Now I'm stuck with my <laughs> new obsession already, I can tell. Uh, have a Thank great you, weekend, thanks, Michael. Rebecca. Thanks a lot. Yeah, uh, that, that is it for this episode of Retail is Your Business. We enjoyed it so much, and thanks for being with us the whole time. Good to see you, Rebecca. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. I'm Mark Rako. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This has been Retail is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network.
audio for business.